Morena, it's almost seven o'clock on Monday the 21st of August. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast. It goes out with my email newsletter called The Kaka for paid subscribers. This morning I want to focus on the government's announcement yesterday of a loosening of migration settings. Three weeks ago I wrote that Labour was likely to loosen its migration settings because of the intense pressure it faces from businesses who are having to increase their wages and because of all the gaps and shortages emerging in all sorts of service sectors and right across the economy. Because of the um, extra problems with COVID, people are way sick, in two years in which we haven't had the regular flow of about 100,000 temporary work visa people each year, not to mention all of the backpackers who normally come during the summer and stay and work, the government has been under intense pressure from a both, both from both a political point of view and an inflation point of view. And so it has come to pass. The loosening of the settings has happened. And only three months after the government announced its so-called immigration rebalance. Remember, the key elements of this were to try to, A, force employers to sign up to the accredited employer work visa scheme, which essentially checks each employer to make sure that they're good and not going to engage in any worker exploitation. And only those accredited employers could bring in people on temporary work visas. And the aim was, over time, to get people being paid at least the median wage for uh, so-called skilled work visas. You might recall that during the last couple of years before COVID, we were having uh, upwards of net migration of, of nearly 100,000. And at, at one point, we had nearly 300,000 people working in New Zealand on temporary work visas. We had one of the highest rates of temporary work visa share of the um, overall employment market in the world. And there were widespread uh, fears and problems with worker exploitation and with downward pressure on wages. Uh, we've had um, uh, a couple of inquiries. The uh, Productivity Commission has had a good look at this and came up with various recommendations. And the idea was Labour would come out with tighter migration settings, particularly because the economy seemed to cope okay during COVID. Well, through the winter, things have really gotten tough uh, for many people, aged care, all sorts of services sector, and you will all have been aware of the various signs that go up at cafes and restaurants these days. They're closed for Mondays and Tuesdays, or they're reduced, they're operating on reduced hours. All sorts of services are having staff shortage problems. In part because, of course, there's lots of New Zealanders who are going overseas for their OEs or just simply um, cannot cope with the cost of living here. And this has been one of the missing links in the debate about migration, particularly from employers and those calling out for a loosening of the taps, that uh, one of the reasons a lot of people aren't coming is that the costs of living are too high, particularly in the big cities. Now that uh, has has seen a, a big drop in the number of people, particularly coming to Auckland, not so many students and people on work visas. And that's actually contributed to a slight fall in rents, particularly in the central CBD areas. Well, 
the government has announced uh, in a Sky City announcement last night that there will be an extra 12,000 working holidaymakers allowed in this summer. There'll also be an extension of the visas uh, for those people who are already here or about to come here. And for those people who got working holiday visas through for 2020, 2021, 2022, they will now get automatic fresh visas to come here and work for uh, another 12 months. So the aim is to really go for the working holiday makers because, of course, uh, they can be employed at the minimum wage and will certainly uh, go into those sectors such as tourism and hospitality where um, the biggest shortages are. However, the government has also extended the exemptions for this new $27.70 a week median wage requirement. So we've seen um, significant two and three year extensions for aged care, the meat industry, the seafood industry, both onshore and offshore, the construction sector and the um, snow tourism and adventure tourism sectors. So that means those people looking to bring in uh, people on skilled work, so-called skilled work visas, uh, will be able to continue to bring those people in and pay them less than that median wage. The different uh, wages allowed, the minimums allowed under the scheme, are all detailed in the email newsletter. Suffice to say that they range between about um, uh, $3 over the minimum wage to around four or five dollars over the minimum wage but anywhere from two to three dollars below the median wage which of course is twenty seven dollars seventy overall uh, this again is a, a political and economic response to labor shortages and the problems of wage inflation but it's a pretty quick backflip from labor's attempts in may to bring in a new migration regime designed to uh, take some of the downward pressure of wages that we saw pre-COVID and also to try to put pressure on employers to train locals to invest in technology and to uh, try to um, effectively create more of a high-wage economy. This was always going to happen, uh, this backflip, because essentially the pressures are now intense globally. Everyone's having these same issues with labour shortages. In fact, Australia its labour shortages are twice as intense as ours, twice as many job ad openings per unemployed person in Australia than here. And I don't think we quite understood the scale of the exit of um, New Zealanders looking to leave and work in Australia in particular. And overall, we can't really move to a high wage, high investment economy when our government and businesses see preferences for keeping taxes low and also keeping investment low. We have an economy which is based on leveraged tax-free capital gains as the way to uh, save money for retirement. There's no need to get a high-paid job or build your own business that generates significant profits because you just need to buy some land sit on it and wait for the unearned capital gains that are leveraged and tax-free to come rolling in. Also, for the government, which should be investing much more heavily in infrastructure to enable growth and productivity growth, 
it has chosen with its 30-30 rule to um, not invest in that infrastructure. And you see these pressures all over the place. The problem here, of course, is that if you unleash significantly faster population growth without the infrastructure investment, you simply unleash the usual suspects of house price inflation and, uh, uh, and low wages to keep interest rates low. Remember, the key focus in this um, low-wage, high-migration, high-asset-price economy is to keep wages and inflation low so you can keep interest rates low, to keep taxes low at 30% uh, or lower to ensure you get re-elected, but also to ensure that we're continually starved of the infrastructure investment we need to break this cycle whereby we invite people in but not build the infrastructure and then we're sort of surprised when there's intense pressure on that infrastructure and it pushes up house prices. Again, the main aim of median voters is to ensure continued leveraged low interest rate, high asset price, tax-free gains on property. And I actually don't think you can create a high-wage, high-investment, high-productivity economy until both the government and the private sector see a preference for investing in that infrastructure and technology and R&D over and above investing any surplus in land for tax-free leveraged capital gains. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my dawn chorus for Monday, August the 21st. Kaki te anō.